Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, a show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP, who I'm is CP. looking extravagant with your Santa hat on. Very jolly. Well, dude, it is Christmas time, and we got to get in the season. D-Man, however, cannot get in the season because he is actually traveling. Well, so we kind of note at the top of this podcast that I am actually in South Carolina. Uh, Charleston, to be specific. I'm out here for work, so I got to give a big shout out to my work for sending me out here. I've never been to Charleston, South Carolina, and I just got here maybe like four hours ago. So I just ate dinner at the hotel and now I'm podcasting. I'm excited. Hopefully get to explore the city a little bit, see what Charleston has to offer, and then obviously get a bunch of work done. We'll see. I don't, I'm not even really 100% sure where to go, although I do have to give a huge shout out to Anthony Morales. Appreciate you giving me some recommendations here, which I'm right near Battleship, so I'm probably going to be able to check that out. And then I'm going to go across the bridge to downtown, and he gave me some recommendations on some breweries and some restaurants. So really appreciate that. Pretty dope. So yeah, on that note, also want to give a shout out to uh, one of my good friends, Luciana, it was her birthday. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. I a, yeah, I have a few more shout outs. The first one is Caroline Marie actually messaged us on Instagram and said, I posted this for my sister-in-law. She was a booth there, didn't actually go. So I know you know the context for this. I do. If you want to explain it a little bit. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no context needed. Hers now, here's one that really stabbed me in the heart. Sam Vargas commented, great job, CP, have been enjoying the podcast, but no mention of D-Man. <laughs> so thank you, man. I'm glad you've been enjoying the show. We enjoy yeah, you Sam, listening. Sam used to listen to an older podcast I was on called Indecisive by Choice, which a lot of fun. Funny story about Sam is that he was referred to on that podcast as Sam Boy because he worked with Matt Helson, who was one of our good friends. And apparently there was a Sam Boy and Sam Girl at that office. He was affectionately referred to as Sam Boy, although he claims he's all man. I don't know. <laughs> well, on this podcast, Sam, I think we should call him Sam Man or Sam the Man. I'm, I'm okay right. with that. Sam, you let us know what nickname you want on this show because we'll call you whatever you want. Appreciate you listening, though, man. Lastly, I got to give a big shout out to myself because I feel like an adult here in South Carolina. I actually unpacked my suitcase. I hung <laughs> up my clothes. <laughs> my toothbrush is actually like neatly next to the sink in the bathroom. That never happens. Usually I just throw my bag next to my bed and hit the bar. I'm here by myself. So it's not, I don't know. The bar's not that fun when you're alone. I don't know who should be more excited, your mom or your wife. One of them of raised you right. Yeah, hope you guys uh, are listening, though. Aside from that, it is a pretty nice hotel. I'm staying at the Embassy Suites by Hilton. Shout out to those guys. Here was uh, something they did for me, though. It's pretty dope. When I checked in, they gave me a free, six free alcoholic drink tickets. So I might have to hit the bar. <laughs> to... <laughs> I think what are you going to do? I, I can't waste them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be wasteful. <laughs> And this is the I season like, of giving, so you should not be wasting. Yeah, or that's at least sure. give them away. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's hilarious. So anyway, yeah, pretty sweet hotel. I'm excited to be here. CP, do you have any shout outs on this episode? Just want to give a shout out to everybody who participated in our Twitter poll. Last week, we asked what movie you were watching to commemorate Pearl oh, Harbor oh, yeah, that's on December 7th. The two top choices were the film Midway and 
Pearl Harbor, which Michael Bay. Well, kind of yes, kind of blows me away because, well, as Team America taught us, <laughs> Pearl Harbor sucks just a little bit more than I miss you. Yeah, well played. I do. Have, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing though: if if you watch the movie Pearl Harbor, I know some people were in it for like the sappy love story, but let's face it: I mean, Michael Bay and the special effects team did deliver on the action of which Pearl Harbor is known for. Like all war movies, there is a certain amount of honor and taste that needs to go into those scenes, and you don't really make it about the special effects and gravitas but let's say it looked good and it's actually kind of crazy because there have now been a couple of movies that have really looked at pearl harbor over the years and have had really you know cinematic takes on it actually brings me to the other poll that we did not talk about last week which was we put up a poll on instagram whether you like me with my long hair or my short hair better and i was quite <laughs> blown away that overwhelmingly everybody liked me with the short hair so apparently guys just thought i looked like a hippie bum so thank you for i don't know long hair i've had long hair in the past it's one of those things where like you're just gonna rock it but at the same time i mean it is a, a kind of very specific look there's things associated with guys with long hair right rock stars 80s Oh, that sounds awesome. I, I thought it was very funny, though, and this is what I wanted to specifically bring up. So 73% of our listening audience said they liked the short hair better. 8% said they liked the long hair better. The really interesting was, was the 18% that said they never liked me to begin with. Shout out to Steven. Thanks, a-hole. Oh, that's awesome. Well played. I, I don't it. have any shout outs on that. Thank you, everyone, for participating. Obviously, when we do polls and stuff, we love it when you let us know your thoughts. Keep it up. Well, as CP's hat clearly shows, we are still in the Christmas season. So in honor of that, we are going to do a movie remake time this week, something we were both kind of excited about. I'm really excited to hear what your opinion was because I saw the movie first, then you saw it. So I wanted to know what you thought. I'll throw it over to you. Are you ready for it? Intro time, baby. Welcome to Movie Remake Time, the show where we take a look at sequels, reboots, and remakes and ask the very simple question, who did it better? This week, we are going to be talking about, well, everybody except for D-Man Sisters, very favorite Christmas classic, <laughs> A Christmas Story, and the new sequel, A Christmas Story, Christmas. I'm going to let you actually go first here because I'm I'm really interested in what you thought of it. Well, first things so let's first. See. Check this out, dude. That's actually the original 80s box VHS That's tape. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, and the, look, it's so old it has one of those. It's amazing. Yeah, actually, is he in the bunny suit? Yeah, Grandpa's think, house. Yeah, he's at the on the bunny suit. Isn't that dope? Why is there a dog? Is that like one of the Bumpus's dogs? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Parker's didn't have a dog, right? No, the Bumpuses had 997 yeah, yeah. smelly hound dogs. If you've like ever listened to us talk about Christmas or movies or, well, anything, you know that both D-Man and I really love the original Christmas movie from True Bob story. Clark based off of the novel by this guy, Gene, Gene Shepard. Shepard. One of our favorite holiday movies, an immediate classic. Can't help but kind of fall in love with it. So when I heard that they were going to do a sequel, I was not happy. I thought it was going to be horrific. I did not want to see it. I thought it was a typical example of this is a quick cash grab. Let's mess with a good thing when we really don't need to. And I mean, the crazy thing is there have already been two official sequels before this to A Christmas Story. There is... And neither was good. Neither no, was no, good. no. Yeah. There's from the 90s, a film called My Summer Story has a new cast and is supposed to be set as a sequel to A Christmas Story. It takes place in the summertime over summer vacation. Then there is from the 2000s, A Christmas Story 2, which might be in the running for one of the worst films ever made. Actually, uh, Mar from Home Alone is the dad in this case, plays the old man, yeah. and it just, it does not work. Um, so when I heard that they were revisiting it, I was really skeptical. D-Man saw it first, and well, you brought up your thoughts, but 
I was I was quite impressed that this movie kept the spirit of a Christmas story alive. And I'll let you take over from there. Yeah, I think the first thing I would note is as a sequel, I always ask the question, you know, is there a reason for this to be made? And they do a good job of addressing that as a sequel. It's not just a carbon copy update of a Christmas story. They actually have a cool storytelling mechanism, cool and sad, which is the death of a parent. Unfortunately, that ends up being the catalyst for this story, but it's also something that every one of us is either dealt with already or will have to deal with at some point in our lives. It's a very relatable thing. Totally true. How do you, right? Especially if, you know, if whether it's a vacation or whatever, you know, holiday event that this person loved, how do you live up to, you know, kind of the standards that they had set for those things? And in this case, it's the old man and Christmas. And so I think as the storytelling mechanism, the sequel works really well because it's not a carbon copy of a Christmas story. Instead, I'd actually argue that the story itself, because it follows Ralphie as an adult with his wife and two kids going back to Indiana to deal with the death of the old man. Mm -hmm. Well, what he has to do is put on Christmas in like I don't know, five or six days and try to, you know, kind of live up to the old man. And in, in that regard, I think the movie itself actually plays a little bit closer to something like Christmas Vacation. You know, in that movie, Chevy Chase, Clark Griswold is, you know, he wants to throw an old-fashioned family Christmas. And he wants to basically, you know, through nostalgia and his love of the holidays, kind of pass that on to his family and share that with them. Well, in this case, the story structure may line up similar to that, but it's just dealing with something that I think is relatable. Uh, it definitely evokes emotion out of you. I know there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where Ralphie gets a phone call and I had no idea that was coming because honestly, I hadn't seen any trailers for this movie. I just knew it was coming out and I was my expectations were like yours, probably very low. I didn't, I didn't think much of it. So for me, that that's a criteria. We've talked about that many times, you know, when it comes to sequels. Does this have a reason for existing? Like if, if you've never seen a Christmas story but saw this, is it still enjoyable or was it simply just made for people that were fans? Well, in this case, I think it holds up pretty well on its own. No, absolutely. And I think part of it is um, this film was directed by Clay Clankless and written by Nick Shank. Obviously, both of them had a large amount of reverence for the original story. You can tell that they love it. And this is not an attempt to recreate a Christmas story. Uh, yeah. There's a great amount of respect and homage given to the original story as Ralphie goes back home and remembers his childhood and the best Christmas he ever had. But we're not trying to beat for beat recreate a Christmas story. The other thing I think that is really important in the film is the decision to acknowledge the passing of the old man. I actually think it very much keeps it in the spirit of the original, just in the sense that this, this movie, A Christmas Story, is at its heart a story of Ralphie and his relationship with his father. Through the passing of his father and Ralphie going yeah. home and, and dealing with Christmas without his father, it's actually almost despite the fact that Darren McGavin had passed away, you know, almost 15 years ago, it's it's a way to keep the character alive. And he still feels like an integral part of the story because as an audience, we are very much aware of his absence from the film. And so by them outright acknowledging the fact that he has passed, we as an audience are going through the same sort of grieving and you know, a fondly remembering of the character that Ralphie is. And I think that that's kind of a cool story decision that they made as opposed to just 
you know, throwaway line about, oh, you know, dad passed away five years ago and Christmas hasn't yeah, been the same. I totally agree with you on that. I think, and that was the the biggest thing that I was, I was just worried about with mm-hmm. that as a sequel was I was like, is there going to be a good enough reason for this movie to even exist? Yeah. And I found, I, I actually thought they handled it well. They never really go through the entire grieving process. You know, they don't actually spend time on like, the funeral or anything like that but you do see how the old man looms large over the holidays and how his passing you know kind of affects everybody yeah so i thought that worked really well the other thing i thought worked well was they give ralphie or ralph they give him uh you know he's an adult now (laughs) uh they give him some narrative motion he is trying to finish out a year off of trying to become a writer i think it's just enough to not just be like hey we're home for the holidays like let's Mm -hmm. make a movie you know he has enough he's he's trying to figure out his voice as a writer throughout and how do you find your voice things like that and and i think the movie again does a good job of he's obviously the central character of both the original and the new one and in that case it's just you know that that childhood dream of wanting your your ultimate christmas present yeah you know and how do i ensure that this happens well in this case it's, you know, kind of a more adult, well, it's definitely more adult, it's about a job, but like it, it's that stress and that worry that comes with, you know, whether, you know, in this case, it's getting published or but any of us, you know, I want the job or whatever. I think we've all been there where, you know, you, you want something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. That's good character motion. Because we can, again, we can relate to that. We've all wanted the job, or we've all, you know, wanted something, but not, not in that innocent childhood way like oh i you know i just gotta get word to santa you know so i can you know get pleasure it's yeah. like no you know he's trying to do something a little bit more adult here and i think that's that's another thing that the movie does really well is it gives us a perspective not of the children yeah. right i think a christmas story is from a child's eyes as told by you know one's older but, self but it's about getting the best christmas gift he's ever had whereas this and is him as a father trying to give his kids the best Christmas he possibly could. You and know? I thought, yeah, I thought it, that all actually worked. So, and like you said, the film itself does a great job of also paying homage, but not recreating any of very specific moments from the original. To that end, right? Like they do a pan through the attic and you see some of the just things. I think Ralphie even throws like the pink bunny costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, those things are still there. But they don't, you know, they're not getting into it. And and they do it in the right way. It's not like when, oh, you don't know. But <laughs> here's here's the Star Wars reference. It's not like when Luke throws his lightsaber away in Last Jedi <laughs> and also throws out everybody's love of Star Wars where you're like, what are you doing, though? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. here it's a little bit of like, hey, you know, I remember when that happened, but like good riddance, bunny costume. And, or in the same way, they re-invoke moments such as, Ralphie's in the car and it breaks down much like in the original when they get a flat there's a scene where he takes his kids to pick out a Christmas tree and he teaches them you know what his dad taught him about bartering and talking people down and getting a tree for the lowest price you can so it's it has reverence for the original and it ties back these memories but it's not a cheap recreation and I think that that's the balance yeah and I like that too because I think they took each of those scenes and they added a a slight twist Mm -hmm. where I think the Christmas tree scene is a great example where like his dad haggles and, you know, he's like, you got a deal. Like, you know, (laughs) I won. won." In this Mm -hmm. case, Mm -hmm. Ralph 
Ralph believes that he won, but really he <laughs> lost. He got, yeah. to, you know, the, yeah. the guys at the lot got him to take the giant tree that nobody was going to get. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, I don't know, that type of like twist on certain things. It's, it's fun because it's, again, it's not the same thing. So I thought that worked. I liked the introduction of, of the new characters, um, his I'm, wife, his kids, yeah. mm-hmm. but also they bring back a lot of the original cast, the actual actors playing reprising the roles that they played you know 30 something years ago yeah it's pretty crazy yeah his friends are back scud farkas is back i mean i think is it flick flick and schwartz and actually it was really cool because if you notice when they pan across uh behind the bar in flick's bar he actually says in god we trust all others pay cash which is a homage you know homage to the actual book which i think is cool yeah that's pretty neat and so that was cool like getting to see them all kind of come back together but again with like that and that adult twist he owns a bar they go and get drunk they have you know they're they're doing grown-up things not you know childhood things anymore where they're you know triple dog daring each other on mm-hmm. you know the playground even though we uh, we get we get a sense of that what is it to do clear a bar tab <laughs> <laughs> very true Something interesting that I heard about this, I was reading about it. Apparently they did. So, you know, the actual house from A Christmas Story is in, I think, Cleveland, Ohio. And it's on Cleveland Street in the movie, but it's in Indiana. And Cleveland Mm -hmm. Street is a reference to the location of where the actual house was. Well, that house is still there. And I guess it. You can go and tour it. It might even actually be for sale. I think I saw I think a it's like a, I that. thought it was like a Christmas story museum or something. Yeah, something like that. They did not film at that house. They really? actually rebuilt that entire street and house on a closed set. I, I want to say it was in a foreign country or something. That's how they did it. That's crazy. Yeah, they didn't actually film at the house, which I was like, oh, I figured they would. I mean, that's what you'd think because wouldn't it, you know, if you have the original location still, but I don't know, maybe it's changed too much. Maybe the neighborhood looks too different. Maybe the house isn't. Yeah. I assume they only and used it for the exteriors anyway. I know. Yeah. They, I'm sure everything inside the house was, uh, you mm-hmm. know, a set somewhere, probably on a mm-hmm. Hollywood studio. You walk outside, it's not Christmas, it's 96 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think the other question I, I think. I wanted to bring up with you and I'm interested what your thoughts are on this. So if you, if you look at the way the story plays out, Ralph fails in his mission to get published for his, you know, sci-fi epic, right? He's trying to be a sci-fi writer and all whatever, 25 publishers turned him down, but he ends up finding his voice by writing about the old man. And as Mm -hmm. is often the case, people tell you, you draw on your life experiences. That's where you're going to find yeah. things that are relatable that people understand at the end of the movie the way the structure is set up he ends up reading the piece and it almost leads right into gene shepherd's voice as the original a christmas story opens up ah my house on cleveland street and you know it's christmas is this a sequel or a prequel <laughs> i think that was actually one of the really cool things that they achieved because it's very circular you know a circular nature. And I think you can see it as either way seen as it came after the original, we have to say it's officially a sequel, but it is very much created as a prequel in the sense that um, you could show your kids a Christmas story, Christmas, and then the next night show them a Christmas story. And I think it all works. And I think that that's a really yeah. cool concept because, you know, whichever one you watch first doesn't mean that you can't enjoy 
the other one. Yeah, I, I don't think, think that's if it easily was, achieved. If it was up to me, I mean, I think it would be a sequel. And that's because I think there are elements in the sequel that are a little bit more enjoying or heartbreaking if you were a fan of the original. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really neat because the way it ends is like, hey, the, the story that ended up making Ralph a published writer is his story about the old man and that unbelievable Christmas he had when he was a kid. And then it actually, it, in a really neat way, they actually like pan out of like the house, the new one, the set, and then it actually fades into a Christmas story. Then the music plays and, and the credits hit and they have like some cool side-by-side photos during the credits and stuff. But it was, that that was really neat to me because I was like, whoa, you guys made this really work. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I thought it was great and I enjoyed it. So that was definitely something that was pretty neat. I will say, I think it's, yeah. I think a Christmas story Christmas is better if you like a Christmas story. Now that leads me to my, that leads me to one point. Yes. I do not think a Christmas story Christmas was able to create its own sense of iconography where I think the original one, there are so many things about a Christmas story that you can just say to anybody and they know what they are. Red Riders, BB gun, you're going to shoot your eye out, kid. I'll triple dog dare you. (laughs) Yeah. The, The tongue on the pole. Uh, the pink bunny suit, Santa kicking him down the slide. Like there's just yeah. so many things. And then, you know, the old man yelling all the time, not a finger, <laughs> you know, the yeah. leg lamp. And yep. so I think the first one trumps this one hands down in just iconography. I mean, is there any, like if you showed somebody a leg lamp, which inherently has no relatable value to Christmas, Everybody knows what it is, what it's from, and it's awesome. Yeah. And I don't, I just don't think this movie, you know, they had a couple things. There was, you know, Flick's Bar. Um, they have the ramp. They, they do a couple things to try to add maybe to it, <laughs> but I just don't think it, it lives up to. No, I, I know what you mean in the sense that the first one has things that are instantly recognizable. There are lines that you will quote and we have quoted for, for decades. I'm not yeah, sure. I, the, but I didn't it. say fudge. <laughs> Yeah, right. The only one I kind of that I find myself quoting since I saw the movie is uh, the sequence where he is it's kind of he goes into his imagination after he throws a snowball at his daughter and hits her in the head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's his son comes in and he's like, you know, when they visit him in prison and he's all British and he's like, what happened like to a your British voice? Punk rocker. <laughs> <laughs> or what happened to your accent? Like, I was like, oh, that's funny. But yeah, it just doesn't have that sort of lasting impact that I think the original one does. I did like that scene, though, where it like they're just at Flick's bar and then the phone rings and all the bar patrons get scared. And then it's somebody's wife and everybody's like, Shh, don't say I'm here. And then they say, you know, sorry, he's not here. Yeah. Merry Christmas and like hang up. And they're all like, oh, thank God we can keep drinking. <laughs> That's hilarious. What did you think of uh, Peter Billingsley, you know, kind of reprising the role after all these years? Because he's obviously, you know, a huge factor in both stories where I think everybody else truly is supporting you know, especially in the older movie, except for the parents, but neither of those actors are here. I mean, I thought it was great. I, you know, Peter Billingsley is an actor, you know, for the, it seems like for the last 20 years, he's really kind of moved out of acting and has really just been a producer and a showrunner and, you know, really involved as, 
as a, you know, kind of an executive side of, of, of production. So I thought it was great that he was willing to come back. It was a very stark difference though, just in the sense that when we last saw Ralphie, he was, you know, nine years old. Yeah. You know, this wasn't something like watching boy meets world where we saw Corey Matthews grow up over the course of, you know, six, six seasons, you know, and now seeing adult Corey, we're like, okay, well, we've seen that transfer. Like it was a big, big age, you know, age job. Yeah. And that's also Peter Billingsley doing the narration, the Gene Shepard role from the original. Yeah. Uh, did you miss Gene Shepard? I mean, his voice well, is so we, his voice yeah, is so iconic do? in the original that it's it it is I think that no offense to you know Peter Billingsley, but it's not the same. And I think in some ways it, it kind of worked even better for the original one because you have Ralphie as a kid, you know talking like Ralphie. And then you have this, this adult with a different voice really showing you that this is someone telling a story. Right. Yeah. Okay. And it just, it doesn't have quite that same effect as being, you know, playing out like you're being told a story as, as the first one does. Okay. Yeah. I thought he did a good job. I mean, I was a little bit surprised, but I, I kind of got the vibe and maybe I'm wrong here, but that he was doing like a Gene Shepard impersonation Mm -hmm. when he was, Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind deeper. of worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it worked. And I think, you know, a good a good point is, too, that in this one, the narration is actually often describing, like, parenthood and what it's like to be parents and try to bring that magic to your kids. You know, uh, I think at one point, like, their presence gets stolen. You hear his narration. He's like, the kids don't know, though. Yeah. They don't know the presents were stolen. Yeah. You know, I think they have a great they have a great line where the kids are, everybody's decorating the tree and then slowly like the adults start drinking wine and they're sitting on the couch watching and they're like, oh, we're just watching you kids. And one of the daughters is like, isn't this like labor? And she's like, no, it, the mom's like, no, this isn't child labor if we don't pay you. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't know. There was like, there was some good and, and just the the idea that, you know, hey, how do I make this special? I think every every parent goes through that at some point. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, I would hope. <laughs> I don't know. Say something. I think, you know, one of my old co-hosts on our, the podcast I was talking about earlier, I mean, he should be here to tell this story because I don't want to throw his mom under the bus, but uh, Michael Tacone, his uh, one year, his mom forgot to wrap his gifts and they were just in a garbage bag in the closet. <laughs> oh. oh, that's amazing. Hashtag poor Mikey. Oh, that was, oh, that was, what a good, what a good story. I was dying when he told it, but besides the point. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to a Christmas story, Christmas, I, I do have to say that, you know, did it work? Uh, you know, in this case, it's not, does it hold up or whatever? Did it work? I think it did. I guess my question to you then is something like this. Obviously about a year ago, we did a movie remake time where we looked at another quote unquote remake of a Christmas story, which was 8-Bit Christmas, which came out, you know, last year. I think we both came to the conclusion that 8-Bit Christmas does not work as well as the original. Why does this seem, I mean, and maybe I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll own this. In my opinion, A Christmas Story Christmas is a more faithful in the spirit of a Christmas story than 8-Bit Christmas. And it has nothing to do with the fact that one takes place in the 70s and the other takes place in the 80s. Or, you know, one has Neil Patrick Harris and the other has Peter Billings. It's nothing like that. One just seems truer to the spirit of the original 
than the other. Why do you think that is? You know, I do have to give a tip of the cap. I like 8-Bit Christmas. I think the thing, though, is is that all you're ever going to do, because it's essentially the same kind of story mechanism, right? Kind of like going back to the beginning of this whole conversation. 8-Bit Christmas Mm -hmm. is really a Christmas story about a different childhood, you know, dream present in the 80s with a different family. But it's the same. It even has Neil Patrick Harris narration, right? Like. Although the only thing I guess that would be a major difference is they actually show the older version of whoever's talking, Neil Patrick Harris to his daughter. True, 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 true. But again, if I had to pick what it is that really separates those two, I think it's the iconography. I think Mm -hmm. there's something so special about a Christmas story, so unique, all of the things that we associate with it you can remake that story with a different family with a different present and it just never quite rises to that level. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, as great as, you know, I love the eighties and I actually had a Nintendo and I remember playing in Indiana with my dad. I don't know. It's just like one of those things where I think there's a gold standard there and you'd really, really have to do something crazy using the same structure to surpass that fair enough so but that's what's unique about a christmas story christmas is i i don't think it it does that it's not coming in here and saying like hey we're going to try to compete with the original they're like no the original is the original like we're just trying to do something a little bit different you know kind of tell a a different story about the same family and that's why that's why i think it works you know it's relatable Mm -hmm. i think that Mm -hmm. was a big thing too uh what, what did you think about the scene with the carolers are you a caroler person uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with carolers. There's not a lot of carolers in Southern California running around, you know, singing. I do remember them in Indiana, though. It was a little weird. It felt a little out of place for, I mean, I understand that it was an attempt to create kind of one of those, you know, Parker family traditions or Parker family, you know, practices that we got to see. And I felt like is an attempt to do something like when the dad plugs in all the all the lights and blows the fuse, right? Something yeah. like that, that a moment that we'd look to, I just don't think it landed in the same way as some of the original scenes did. It seemed a little out of place. Well, I think too, I think part of it was, I don't know how relatable it is. I don't think people either love or hate carolers. I don't, I don't think there's enough caroling. <laughs> <laughs> like That's maybe a good point. if there were carolers all the time, I think that is something that is probably part of an older generation. I just don't see it a lot. True. Yeah. That's so a good point. yeah, if you're growing up today or you, you know, you're, you're around today, I just, I don't think that now. So for people that were right in the, whatever this is, sixties, seventies and grew up, okay, you know, cause I was born in 87. If they, if you were around, that might be way more relatable, but for me, it just wasn't that relatable. For sure. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like that. the other thing that I think we need to acknowledge too, which we did not. I think that it does relate to some of these things. While most of the cast came back, Melinda Dillon did not. And oh yeah. We ha- we have a new actress taking up the helm of a very iconic character who, you know, people have been celebrating Christmas with for the last 35 years. So um what was your take on that? I actually thought she did a pretty good job. And to that end. I mean, she didn't just do like a, you know, impression. I think sometimes people do that. Like, I don't know if you saw the, the what is it? Like Many Saints of Newark. 
which is like a prequel to Sopranos. And they got some actors to play some of the younger versions of the characters, but they came across more as like the actors just doing their impression of. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you know, a lot of time has passed. Like, And so even though it is a different actress, I think by allowing her to kind of do something a little bit different, it also, it works, it works for me. And so what is she doing different? Uh, she's much more comical. Mm. I felt that she kind of, the character was written and acted in a way where it was kind of like, I'm older now. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, hey, you know, we got to, this is how we got, you know, or like, I'm kind of down for whatever, you know. And, and I mean, let's be honest too, Julie Haggerty, who does play the mom in this role, she is a comedic actress. She was in Airplane. Um, most of you probably remember her as Chris's mom in the film, the Ryan Reynolds film, Just Friends. So oh, yeah. she is a little bit more of, I think, a comedic actress than Melinda Dillon was. Yeah, and I think it works. I, mm-hmm. I think the way the character is written for this story, uh, I think it works pretty good. And like I said, I'm just not a huge fan of, of people doing just impressions of. Yeah. Especially when, you know, a character is getting screen time. Yeah. I think you you need to own it. We all understand that the original actress isn't, you know, in this movie. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, other other than that, I'm trying to think if there was, you know, cuz the thing with sequels and especially holiday sequels, I mean, can you even name any that work? Home Alone 2? Yeah, maybe that that's one. That's like the only one. I mean, the the se- most of them don't have sequels. There are the multiple Santa Clauses, and I mean, they're awful with the exception of the first one. So, well, and the thing about Home Alone, I, I think you know, it's funny because if you look at Home Alone two, really all they do is just there's such a transportation of the setting. So instead of actually being in a house, Home Alone, he's lost in you know the biggest city in America. Yeah. alone and it's it's just so grand in the change but if you actually look at the movie i mean it's almost beat for beat the first same. one yeah no, you know they replay the same gags right he does the movie again yep. um he obviously sets a house full of booby traps like he it literally is the same movie <laughs> yeah 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 so and why does it work? I think a, I think Home Alone was just that popular at that time, mm-hmm. and because everybody loved Macaulay Culkin, you know, mm-hmm. if you were a kid, you loved him. If you were an adult, you thought it was hilarious. You're like, oh, this guy knocked it out of the park. Can you imagine making Home Alone though, or even for that matter, something you know, like a Christmas story, where literally the entirety of the movie hinges on this kid's ability to deliver in that role? No, you're right. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like Home Alone, very, very specifically, because. Macaulay Culkin literally has to carry scenes where he is alone. He can't True. act off anybody else. You can't draw yeah. cues from, yeah. he's got to yeah. do it all. And I'm like, that's insane. It's quite a performance. And it has stood the test of time. Well, Home and Alone I, is amazing. I think you bring up a point though. With Home Alone, the sequel is, let's take what worked in the first one and move it to a different setting, which is probably why Home Alone 2 holds up better than any of the other five Home Alone movies, right? Yeah, I know. We talked about that one last year. <laughs> yeah i mean it's tough i also i mean you know i don't want to go too much in on uh home alone specifically but something that you know i just don't know how certain people are able to do it but like you know in home alone christopher columbus or even in a christmas story like the actual filmmaking makes these rather kind of simple 
stories feel cinematic to me Mm -hmm. and almost worthy of seeing it on a big screen. Yeah. Where you think, I mean, Home Alone, if you actually think about it, I mean, that could very easily have been like a Disney Channel original. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And yet, instead of it becoming a Disney Channel original movie that everybody was like, oh, yeah, that was really fun, you know, uh, it became like the highest grossing live action comedy of all time in its time. Yeah. You know, yeah. which I think has now been surpassed by like the hangover or something. Yeah. No, you're right. It's crazy. So, or, and a Christmas story is the same way where like, I mean, it could have easily just, you know, felt like you're just like, you know, filming in someone's living room, but instead mm-hmm. it feels very, I don't know. There's, they capture a spirit about the movies and I don't know how to do it. Otherwise I'd be a famous filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> good point very good point so um, i don't know i, I mean look, t- I, I think we both are under under kind of the same impression here this does you know stand up it's not as good as the original and i don't think it would be but i guess my question that i want to ask you is this do you think that this has made the list of a reoccurring watch i think that that's what it comes down to with a christmas movie will you watch a christmas story christmas next year i think here's how i would uh describe this did it make the list if you're not a fan of a christmas story probably now but if you're a fan of a christmas story i think it absolutely does i think you will watch it again and you know it it has a lot of charm and one and especially now like we said at the beginning you know uh when you watch them together they really work well and so i think if you're a fan of the original absolutely it's on the list. Boom. There it is. It's on the list. And I think I have to agree with that. So, yeah, that, I just, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe who knows? Because the original one, it took a few years before it really caught on. I mean, maybe it will stand on its own two legs and be incredible once it's, you know, aired 24-7 on, you know, like Christmas Eve. Yeah. Something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for our movie remake time. You guys let us know what you think. Hopefully uh, you have had a chance to see it. If you haven't, we totally ruined it for you. But I think you can also still enjoy it having seen it because I think it has a high rewatch quality. But if you have seen it, let us know. Do you think, A, you like it more than the original, which to me seems unlikely, but possible. (laughs) And B, does it make your list? And D, no, <laughs> Buzz. What does it uh, do? A, two, and D. Yeah, uh, it, oh. you got to ask your sister if she's going to watch this one. She's going to give this one a try. All right, I'll ask her. Just because she's See, the only person I know who hates a Christmas story, so I don't even know how that's possible. Dude, I don't know. Maybe she didn't actually grow up in Indiana. No, she did. I can vouch <laughs> for it. She definitely did. Well, okay. So that takes us into our next topic, and now we're going to get a little bit more magical. So, you know, we spent magic, you know, like half this episode talking about Christmas story and what it means to, you know, create kind of a, you know, nostalgic family Christmas in the real world. (laughs) Well, now we're going magical. And I want to do a list this week where we take a look at movies featuring Santa Claus himself. Okay. 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 Now I, I need some clarification before we dive into this. When you say himself, you mean the actual Santa? Yeah, not Billy Bob Thornton. 
Okay, so, so this isn't like That's a mall, mall Santa or like like no. a Jim Belushi Santa. It's not anybody who put on someone impersonating like Santa. Santa. Like this no, is the actual the Grinch. movie about the real Santa. Yeah, Santa's okay. got to be in. Okay, okay, all right, fair enough. So I'm I'm interested because okay, I am going to give you a few movies because we got we we talked about this before, and I think you know it's worth acknowledging more than because we'll just do you know our top three. But there's a lot of actual movies that feature Santa Claus and some really famous ones, you know, uh, obviously the Santa Claus, you know, with Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Yeah. I, I mentioned on my list when we kicked off the holiday season this year, Klaus. Okay. Uh, which is, I think, uh, is it a Spanish animated? I mean, it's in English, but mm-hmm. well, anyway, Something like that, but yeah, really uh, he's Santa Claus. Okay. You know, you have Miracle on 34th Street, and then you have, you know, Santa in more supporting roles like maybe The Polar Express or Elf, where, you know, hey, he's in the movie, but he's not the central character. He's a supporting character. Yeah. Who are all of these actors that have played Santa Claus? It's actually kind of crazy because when we start, like, really, I mean, obviously, there's tons of more obscure, you know, there's Hallmark movies, there's old school movie, you know, Santa Claus Con- conquers the Martians that, you know, have had Santa. But when you look at the iconic Christmas movies, these are all like some of like the biggest actors in the world. I mean, I think like it would be it. an honor to play like, Santa like Tom Hanks does it in Polar Express. Yeah. Richard Attenborough does it in Miracle on 34th Street. Um, Mel Gibson does it in Fat Man. Ed Asner, Elf. Ed Asner does it in Elf. Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Who um, else? Uh, you just saw the movie last week. What was David, the Violent Night with David Harbour? David Harbour, yeah. Um, I mean, that, about, that's a different take on Santa. But Kurt Russell does Santa. it in in the Christmas Chronicles. Yeah, there's there's a lot of These big are names, big actors. actors. Yeah. So. That, that's really what I, I just wanted to end the show, you know, uh, seeing who you think, you know, did the best Santas. And okay. I'm not, not talking about the actors. I'm talking about the movies in which they were played. Okay. Ooh. All right. That's a lot. Um, you want me to go first? No, I got it. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'm going to steal your, steal your thunder here. Steal all the ones. I have an idea of who your number one is going to be. And so I will not take that. Um, I'm going to go. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, number, number three. And, and everyone knows I love this movie and I can't really explain why I'm going to go with <laughs> Mel Gibson as fat man. Um, in many ways, he portrays a Santa who is in line with all the magic that we know of Santa. Like one of the, one of the things that he does constantly through the film is when he sees a person, he knows their name, he knows their age and he knows whether they're naughty or nice and what they wanted for Christmas. Like, you know, he has all sorts of almost like pseudo superpowers that Santa has. um, Yet he's this gruff, cranky (laughs) uh, dude who gets in a gunfight. So different take on santa but i thought it was a lot of fun and very memorable nice number two for me is going to be uh richard attenborough as santa in the remake of the miracle on 34th street and that's just because okay that's the one i grew up on yeah right as as when we were kids that was the movie that came out and he has a quality 
that is so believable. You know, well, and you know what's funny is they actually kind of acknowledge it in movie where mm-hmm. don't they like pull him a state they're like, hey, you'd be like a great Santa in the parade. Yeah. You know, he kind of just naturally has it. Yeah. He has like a charm and and everybody in the movie seems to acknowledge Ooh, him I, as Santa. I do hate when he gets upset though. And he hits that dude with a cane. Yeah. Oh man, that like I couldn't believe it. I mean, he couldn't believe it either. But <laughs> Yeah, that that always upset me as a kid. I was like, oh my God, even Santa loses cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then number one for me, I'm going to go with actually the other miracle on 34th Street, Edmund Gwynn, because I think he's probably one of the most iconic Santas. I mean, when we look at Santa-based movies, the original miracle on 34th Street from, you know, 44, I mean, it's probably the first mainstream one I can really think of. On top of it, like shout out to him he actually won uh an academy award for the best supporting actor for his portrayal of santa and i think you know when we look at christmas classics i think kind of like it's a wonderful life in the original miracle on 34th street are kind of like as far back as we go for the most part as a society so it's cool that almost you know 80 years later people still watch the movie where he portrays santa i think that's yeah cool. so i'm gonna list him as number one for that reason the og mm-hmm yeah. All right. Well, I have to give an honorable mention. Um, and that's to the like the claymation, like Rudolph version yeah. of Santa. I know there's not necessarily there's a voice actor, but there's not necessarily like an actor. But I mean, those were always a big part of my childhood. I remember they would there were like when we were kids, there were specials mm-hmm. and they would come on TV. It was like uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas how the Grinch stole Christmas and then the uh, like claymation Rudolph. Uh, Rudolph. And they had another one too, like with like the abominable snowman or whatever. Yeah. 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 With that elf. Oh yeah. Probably based on elf. Yeah. Or that elf is based off of. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I always, I, I always loved those. I loved the, the imagery. It's, it's something that always stuck with me. I mean, I, I could get into a side project about, that type of stuff but <laughs> i won't so that's my uh honorable mention but number three on my list is going to be elf and that's actually partly a shout out to ed asner who apparently mm-hmm. has like played santa a ton of times i i did not know that this is what i know him from but i actually thought he did a fantastic job in this movie playing santa claus uh you know he's the one who kind of restores buddy's faith in himself being an elf but he's also really funny yeah he just brings a, a certain quality to the character that i i really loved his version i in a weird way i kind of think i would prefer like if other movies were just going to have santa claus in them he would be the guy like yeah. you're not you know just you know insert here and he'll do a great job as well santa. if he's done it eight times that's probably what people have done you know <laughs> yeah i liked him a lot so number two on my list is a little different we're gonna go with it and that's Christmas Crumbs on Netflix. Mm. So I actually thought this movie was way more fun than I anticipated. I actually enjoyed this kind of grumpier version of Santa, Kurt Russell. He does look like Kurt Russell to me. He doesn't have a line where he's like, why? Because I'm not a big fat slob. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he doesn't seem like Santa per se, but he is. Yeah. You know, he's he's yeah. got all the right qualities. Is, you know, other than my number one choice, is there like a more Santa-centric series? No, they, right. Now they've done like how many of those? Two. Two three. or three? Yeah, yeah they might have done three now. I thought 
the I thought the first one in particular was a, a really good kind of variation on Santa because mm-hmm. obviously, like I said, Ed Asner is amazing, and it does feel like you can kind of you know it'd be great if we could put him in each of these movies. I'm like, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, but still, you want a little bit of flavor, and I think Kurt Russell really brings that to the character. Where I'm like, I haven't seen that Santa as the re- like Santa. It worked well. Fair but enough. number one, as you mentioned, you know what it is. It's Tim Allen as the Santa Claus. To me, that movie is incredibly endearing. It's a story about a father and son. It does such a fun, you know, twist on how someone becomes Santa Claus. What are the rules associated with being yeah. him? Like, I always love, they do so many fun things. Like, I love when he, like, starts putting on weight. He's like, does this look like a little weight to you? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and then he, like, goes into his uh, board meeting and sweats. He's like, I got stung by a bee. He ends up ordering food and it's just like all the sweets. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, B Scott. And he's like, it was a big B. <laughs> it's the transformation of the Scott Calvin character into Santa Claus that really does it for me. By the end, he really does become the person, you know, I think the scene that really sums it up for me is the one where he goes back to the little girl's house. The first year, you know, he's like, I'm lactose intolerant. You forgot to drink the milk. Yeah. And this time he comes back and he's like, I did say that, you know, and now he's like, you know, Merry Christmas. And he's, he's Santa, you know, and then they even actually get that moment when, you know, he's literally in the the living room, his ex-wife is like he's santa claus and he just (laughs) kind of nailed it enough to get like two sequels and a show out of it you know those have a totally different vibe i don't think those work as well so i mean it is a little dent on that but i think the first one is just so strong and memorable i don't know i I, I mean that first night when they go and deliver presents is just so much fun you know you're flying i don't worry about it i lived through the (laughs) sixth classic movie so that does it for the list this week but i do want to throw it out to our listeners i'm curious what you guys think who is the best actor who's played santa claus and then what are your favorite movies featuring the real big man himself santa so that does it cp i hope you're uh you're excited because the holiday christmas day is coming up really quick i know and this always happens i it like it always makes me so sad when i'm like it's gonna be over and then you gotta wait a whole year to do it again come so fast and there's so many Christmas movies to watch. So many. And we barely, barely tapped into them. Definitely. Well, to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to continue the conversations on social media and you can find all of our links and everything at filmmakerscompass.com. You can follow me at Big Kid D-Man and you can follow CP. You can follow me at IndyCal5. Thank you for hanging out and talking about Christmas movies with us. Santa Claus, Christmas Story. All we're going to ask is that you keep watching movies and we will see you back here next week.